Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Say a little bit, watching a little video which we showed at some of the services this morning from the Archbishop of Canterbury. But um, thy kingdom come, we pray, don't we? Thy will be done here on the earth as it is in heaven. It's a big prayer to pray. It's a big prayer. And to pray a big prayer like that, it, it means a lot more than just saying some words. When I was a little boy, I was taught the Lord's Prayer. My background, I was Roman Catholic. It was, it was the Our Father, we called it. And you just sort of did it by rote. You said the words. And sometimes you said it as quick as you could because you had to say three of them. <laughs> and then you could go and do something. It was like that. Kind of, but you was just saying some words. But I, I didn't understand really what it was that I was praying. And if you were here a couple of weeks ago, you, you'd know that I did start this series, which I don't really know how long it's going to be. It could be like next week and we don't know, it could carry on. But I want to talk about the kingdom because Jesus talked so much about the kingdom. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, depends which gospel it is that you're looking in. But it's mentioned so many times in the Bible. It's obviously very important and very important to Jesus. But the concept is hard for us to understand. So we're going to spend some weeks looking at this idea of the kingdom and Jesus never gave us like a bullet point summary of the kingdom and said here's exactly what it is what he did instead often he would talk about he'd use metaphors or similes in other words things that pictures of what it is like he said the kingdom of heaven is like it's like a, a wedding banquet who's ever been to a wedding banquet it's a wedding party and he says so you've got to make sure you're ready for it You've got to you know, RSVP to the invitation and then you have to get there and make sure you get there while there's still time because the door will be shut and some people will be left out. He said the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that's been hidden in a field and it's like you find it and it's so fantastic to have that treasure. It's worth selling everything else in order to buy the field that that particular treasure is in because that treasure is worth more than everything else that you could ever want. He said the kingdom of heaven is like a widely cast net that a fisherman throws out and when he does that he catches some bad fish and some good fish they're all caught up in the same net and then later on at some point in the future they go through and they sort it all out make the distinction later not as you go or he said it's like a landowner who hires some workers to come and work in his field and he has all these different people who come at different times during the day some people start really early in the morning and work all day and really hard other people they're like really last minute and they turn up even so, they get the same reward in the end. And that shows actually that the, the king, the, the, the landowner isn't being unfair, but that he's actually being generous. Because like they just said, this is an upside down kind of kingdom. He said the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. He didn't say it is yeast, he said it's like yeast. And you, a woman put it into a batch of dough and it just spread everywhere. It spread through the whole lot. It permeated every single part. There's like no bit of that bread that hasn't got yeast affecting it because that's how the kingdom works it goes all the way through he said as well as parables he said some things to help us understand about how we can connect to the kingdom he said the kingdom of heaven is actually really hard for a rich person to enter into but it's not impossible because nothing's impossible with God he said the kingdom has to be received like you're a little child he said you'll never even see it unless you become like a little child 
He said, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, just saying those words in some religious way doesn't guarantee, that's not the magic words that opens up that means you're going to get into the kingdom. But he said we should seek the kingdom first and that shows that that's really what you're concerned about and that's number one for you. And that if you do that, everything else that you need in this world, all the food and all the clothing, anything else that you could want will be supplied to you. You won't even have to be your own supply for that. He said if your eye or your hand cause you in some way do something that would prevent you from being able to enter into the kingdom, he said it'd be better for you to go through an amputation and get in than to miss out and still have your hand or have your eye. He said, it's that serious. So he said at the end, he said, there's also a great surprise going to come one day because people who are religious and good and think that they should be allowed in will find that they're at the back of the queue watching prostitutes and tax collectors going in while they're going, hang on. Where's my ticket? How come they're getting in in front of me? Thy kingdom come. Let's watch this video from the Archbishop of Canterbury. It's, gonna be, it's just about, it's a bit of an advert really, but it helps us to think about uh, an initiative that's been started for us to pray this kind of prayer and for us uh, as a church and individually to pray, especially that people are going to come to know Jesus in these next few months. Join me in pledging to pray as part of thy kingdom come. How good is that? Aren't you glad he's, a, he's the Archbishop? Yeah. Hey, Zoe and I got to meet him just recently, and he's just nice. I mean, he's, he's just a really good bloke. He's like, you know, if I could pick an Archbishop, it'd be him. He's just solid, really good guy. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, let's uh, pray for him and pray for that initiative. And we've signed up as a church. It means that we might do stuff like 24-7 prayer and various things. But it's right up until, it's through Easter. It's after Easter and into Pentecost. It's a little way off. I just wanted to get it on your radar early so you can be thinking about how we can join together with loads of other different churches and really pray for the same thing. I think there's power in that. To all pray, your kingdom come. Maybe that's why God wanted me to start thinking about and talking about the kingdom this year as part of our year of acceleration. What do we want an acceleration? of the kingdom of God coming more of his kingdom coming so what does the kingdom of heaven mean the kingdom of God well a kingdom is a sphere of control if anybody wants to take notes that's one to take note of a kingdom is a sphere of control a kingdom effectively is a way of doing things it's like your way of doing things it's the it's a place that you've arranged to suit you to suit the way you like it, to suit the way you want it. It's an environment that you've arranged the way it suits you. It's like um, the other week I, I got to go to uh, Old Trafford with Zoe's dad, Alan, and um, he doesn't like driving at night, so I said, it's all right, I'll drive. And he's only little, and we got in the car, and, uh, and literally I was like, trying to get in. It was like... like um, a dodgem car or something when I got in. And I was like trying to find the handle to move the, and, and move the, 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 uh, the seat. And I said, how do you move the seat back? And Alan said, well, I don't know. Because like, he never does. 
he never has to kind of thing. And like he, and I'm going, yeah, but I can't really drive like this. Anyway, I ended up, he said, well, I don't know what I do. And pressed a few buttons. He went, I went, no, that's not good. And he went, that went good. He didn't actually move me backwards or forwards at all. And after a bit, I just gave up. So I drove to Old Trafford and back, like with my knees around the handle, like this kind of, all around the steering wheel, because I couldn't do it. But the thing is, Alan was totally relaxed about it because that's his car. That's how he likes it. You know, the mirrors are set up for him. Just everything the way he likes it. It's his kingdom. His, little, his car is Alan's kingdom and he sets it up the way he wants it. Maybe you've got a kingdom. You've got an office space or something and, and it's just set up the way you like it. And you don't like it if somebody comes in and changes it. Or if it's, it might be your car, you've got it tuned to your radio stations. And you don't like it if somebody else comes in and you put it on it's like, you're like, oh, what's this? You know, or classic FM, what's that about? You know, like you kind of, and it's like, because somebody else got in and they messed up your kingdom. You've got your sphere of control. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So, what is God's sphere of control, of authority? Well, God's kingdom is called heaven. And heaven is the kingdom where God is king and it reflects the king. It reflects his character, it reflects its values, it, re- it reflects who he is. So it's a place of joy, it's a place of honour, it's a place of peace, it's a place of absolute justice and truth. It, and, and the Old Testament word shalom that Tina brought to us earlier just summarises the rule of that place. That's exactly what it is. God's kingdom is a good place because it reflects him absolutely. People don't lie in the kingdom. Women don't get hurt in the kingdom like we were just hearing about. People love the truth and speak the truth and live the truth. People don't abuse one another or hurt one another in God's kingdom. There's just honour, there's love. People don't cheat in that kingdom. They, they love faithfully. They, they know that's how God likes it and that's how everything is. The kingdom of God is heaven. It's beautiful. But the, the Bible also says God is king of the whole earth. Psalm 47 verse 2 says, How awesome is the Lord Most High, the great king over all the earth. And sometimes you can hear theology that basically says, well, heaven belongs to God and the earth is like the devil and he's in charge of that. It isn't what the Bible says. It never actually says that the, the devil rules over this place. It says he has a dominion. He doesn't, he doesn't have a kingdom because he's not a king. You can't, be a, you can't have a kingdom if you're not a king. He has dominion, he has, a, he has influence, he has spheres, but ultimately God is king over the whole earth. David says in 1 Chronicles 29, 11 and 12, Yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the splendour and the majesty, for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. All things come from you, and of your own do we give you, and this is yours, Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head of Overall, God is sovereign. That word is applied to God so many times in the Bible. He's king. He's king over heaven and he's king on the earth. But even as I'm saying that, some people you're like, ooh, because there's a tension in that statement, isn't there? Because you're like, well, I've got no trouble accepting and hearing God is, is king over heaven. But what about the earth? How is this earth the kingdom of our God. In what way is it? And, you know, I turn on the news and I'm bumping down the street some cameraman in Aleppo and the smoke going across the whole of the street and there's shrieks and cries because there's people trapped in the buildings and there's, there's uh, you know, just 
hospitals being bombed and just terrible things that happen. Is this the kingdom of God? Uh, in India, Compassion UK are trying to continue to put millions of pounds into India in order to help these starving kids who are hopeless without them. But the Hindu government there just say, well, that's karma for those kids. And they refuse, they're going to refuse to let Compassion continue to do their work. I was talking to Justin Dowds, who's the head of Compassion UK, just this week. He said, unless we see a massive miracle, there's nothing else that's going to be, we won't be able to do anything. We've really got to pray for India and for Compassion UK. And they're not the only ones. It's something like 4,000 other charities, I think he said, that the Indian government are just going to remove and say they're not allowed to do that good work anymore. How can that? reflect the kingdom of God where's the shalom in that what about here closer to home you know um, Lynn's this morning was talking at, uh, at Kingsway about how he's been in Stoke done great stuff having all these bands going in and telling people about Jesus but he's telling this story about this young man who been right in front of them cutting his wrists with a key ripping his you know his body up in front of them having to be dragged out because he's, he's just so messed up. See, education can, can give you a qualification, but it can't give you a purpose. It can't give you a reason not to cut yourself, not to hurt yourself, not to harm yourself. It can't give you that. Uh, you know, in our culture, things that used to be shameful get celebrated. This week I was reading this thing about pop-up brothels in Airbnbs and, and you know, just horrible things and people being trafficked and, and the police just can't keep a handle on all this. The criminal justice system is in tatters because of the increase of lawlessness that's taking place. It isn't just about the decrease in resources. It's about the increase, I believe, in lawlessness that we're seeing. The heart of the problem hasn't changed since the Bible was written, which is why it still has answers that are relevant to us today. So that's why if you're here, if you could possibly come on Friday evening, come back here. We're doing these things called fuel. We've got these cards. I've got one, some in my pocket. You can have one afterwards. And I just really felt, I was talking with Zoe at the beginning of this year and we were both praying. And I was, she was asking me something. We were doing a Bible in one year thing, reading it through. And she asked me a question. And I went, oh, well, it's because of this, 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 and this. And she went, you know what? It's all right for you knowing that, but other people don't know how that fits with this. And you know, she kind of nailed me a bit and was like, you're responsible to help other people to be able to know that too, not just me. Maybe you should be doing something like this that helps other people to piece together those bits of the Bible. And I was like, oh, would you like a peppermint tea? <laughs> and, um, but afterwards it was like, yeah, actually, the fuel for acceleration is the Bible and prayer. And we need to get into that. So we've got these, these different events this, that are going to run through this, this year and it starts on, on Friday. We're going to be looking at the Bible and how it's not just a, a book but it's a library and how do we start to piece that together and looking at the, the beginning of the Bible. So if you come along on, uh, on Friday, Friday evening at uh, 7.30, we'll get started with that. 2 Chronicles chapter 15 is a prophetic word which was given to a king and because we're representatives citizens of a kingdom, we need to hear this too. This is what it says. This was a prophecy that was given to him. For a long time, Israel was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, he was found by them. 
In those times there was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in, for great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the lands. They were broken in pieces. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every sort of distress. See, this is a picture of a land that has turned its back on, on its king, and as a result, God hands them over to let themselves be king, and it just becomes a mess. It's a picture of social, spiritual chaos, meltdown. And I think it reflects on our land today and the nations all around us. What was missing? Three things were missing. Number one, the true God. The true God. See, it doesn't say God. The writer isn't saying the whole nation became atheists at that point. He doesn't say that. Attendance at the temple was probably still pretty good. People were still going along and doing their religious bit. The fires of sacrifice still burned. But the people had turned away from a right view of God. They had an idea of God, but it wasn't the true God. They wanted perhaps a convenient God who would just bless them whatever they decided to do. A little God that they could say a state prayer to before they had like their, their, uh, their state dinner. They could, have a, they could say a little grace before meals and then get on with doing whatever they wanted. They wanted this little God a harmless little God that they could handle, that they could control, that they could say the kind of thing that they thought he would say to them because they didn't want him to rule over them. They wanted to rule over that God. But you can't boss the true God around like that. The world actually doesn't want the true God. And I'm often afraid that the church doesn't either. Especially because the true God says some majorly inconvenient things to the cultural issues of our day. He says not what we want to hear, but what he wants to say, because he's the true God. And that leads us on to number two. The second problem in that nation was the lack of leaders who would teach the truth. And again, it doesn't say there weren't any leaders or religious figures and people who would do the religious stuff, but the, the ones that they had were not teaching the truth about the true God. They no longer took the scripture seriously as their authority for belief and life. That's another one of the reasons why I want us to make sure that we're doing this fuel stuff this, this uh, year. See, there are times, you see, when I'll be preparing a talk and I'll come to a bit in the Bible and I'll think, oh, no, I don't want to talk about that. That's like, ooh, that's not a convenient truth. And it's at that point I have a decision to make. What am I going to do with that bit of the Bible? Because what it's saying may not be popular. But that isn't the question. The question is, is it true? Is it true about life? Is it true about people? Is it true about the world? Most importantly, is it true about God? Because politicians have to be popular and pop stars have to be popular, but preachers have to tell the truth. And we live in post-truth days, they say, don't they? Where fake news can rule and in a world like that, certain things, certain truths, must grate. They must be like, you can't really say that because you're a dangerous fanatic if you do, if you believe that or if you say that. Because there's some, some things you absolutely cannot say. And there are no absolutes. And it's all relative. When you turn your back on God, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 says it's possible to have a conscience branded, seared as with a hot iron. 
It's like what used to hurt doesn't hurt anymore. What used to be the wrong thing is no longer wrong anymore. That's what it talks about. And I think that can happen in a society. To a whole swathe of people. Where do we go for truth? Where do we find teaching that is truth? What is truth? We have to go and teach the unchanging word of God. I've got no other authority to be able to do what I'm doing. This night or any other night than to open the Bible and to be looking there for what God says about it. I never want to be preaching about my own opinions and my own thoughts. John chapter 18. Jesus is standing before Pilate and Pilate actually asked him that question, what is truth? If you've got the John Rylands Library here in Manchester, one of the most famous things we've got in Manchester is a little fragment of John's Gospel. You can go and see it. It's one of the oldest fragments of the Bible in the whole world and it's here in Manchester. And it's this bit of John's Gospel, chapter 18. It's the bit where Pilate asked Jesus the question, what is truth? It's not interesting that that would be the piece. That would be the question right there for people to go and visit. And this is the passage. Look at it. It's when Jesus is asked, are you the king of the Jews? That's what Pilate says to him. Are you the king? Jesus says in verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting so that I would not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Don't misread that. When Jesus says my kingdom is not of this world, the Greek word there, every Yorkshireman would know it, it's ek. <laughs> ek means out of, not just of. Out of. So Jesus says, my kingdom is not out of this world. Hey man, that's out of this world. It's not like, out, he's saying it's not out of this world. And what he's talking about, the, the word behind that is all about origins. He's, he's saying, and then he, then he reiterates it later on. He says, my kingdom isn't originating from this world and it's not from this world. But I am a king. That's why, Jesus says, there's no military uprising. That's why he says to Peter, put your sword away. Because I'm not doing it your way. I'm not using man's methods in terms of what we're doing here on the earth. So, that's great, but how does your kingdom come? Very important key here in the next verse. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. So Pilate said to him, then you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. That is why I was born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth, who is a friend of the truth and belongs to the truth, hears and listens carefully to my voice. So there's something about the kingdom and truth and Jesus all being linked together. Everyone who is of the truth listens to what? My voice. And Pilate replies, what is truth? Do you know why? Because he hasn't got a clue. Jesus is a king. And the kingdom, Jesus rules, the kingdom Jesus brings has a body of truth that is absolute, that is transcultural, transracial, transsituational truth. Truth that will often put it at odds with a relativistic, pragmatic, pantheistic culture. We don't know what those words mean. Look them up, I had to. That doesn't care about truth, basically, but only talks about what I want, what I think, what I feel. 
Because the third thing that was missing in a nation that was unraveling because they didn't want God to be king and they wanted to be king themselves was God's law. And again, I'll talk about this more on Friday. But if you are here two weeks ago, you'll remember, I talked about if you want to establish a kingdom, you have to establish laws. Because that's how kingdoms get established. You put laws in place. And the more we marginalise God, the more we take him out of our law system, the worse it gets. The further we get away from the law, the further we get away from truth, the further we get away from Jesus being the king. And that is what Paul was describing in chapter one of the book of Romans. When he said, the wrath of God has been revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And then he traces this downward spiral that goes down and down and down when people reject God as king and the way that it ends up. Because Israel, you see, had, it wasn't the first time. They kept on turning their back on God and evil just grew out of control. And then when that happened, it was like God was removing. It's the last thing we ever want. We've got to pray for all the time that God would remove himself from his kingdom, from his control, from his restraining power being released. See, when a, ta- a nation turns away, when people turn away from God's laws, chaos replaces community. People become enslaved by the very things that they think are going to bring them freedom. And I want you to notice something very important from the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said we should pray for two things and they are linked. He said, pray that your kingdom come and... You see the link? You can't just pray your kingdom come. You've got to pray your will be done here on the earth. You can't have the kingdom coming without the king's will being done. A privilege tomorrow, Zoe and I are going to get to go to the House of Lords for a dinner. It's my birthday. That's not the reason why we're going. And in a few weeks' time, we're going to get to go to number 10. And to be honest with you, when those things happen, it's like, who? How the heck are we here? Why are we here? But you know why we're there? I know why we're there. We're there to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Here. On the earth as it is in heaven. In, and these opportunities that are, that are there, you know, pray for us when we go. That we'll be, you know, there's something spiritual happens. Something powerful happens. We got to go just recently and we're just walking through, praying, Lord, this is an amazing opportunity, but let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here in this nation and in all the nations. And you don't have to go there to pray that, do you? Do you? No. I'm going to go and I'm going to want to pray, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And I never, ever, ever want to give up on that. The problem is we can give up on that. Do you remember John the Baptist at one point? He, he writes out of prison to Jesus because it's all gone pear-shaped and he's looking like he's going to get a, a far shorter haircut than he was <laughs> expecting. And he's like what's going on and he writes out to Jesus and he says if you remember he says are you the one who was to come or should we expect somebody else which is like shorthand for ah you know why am I here and that's the tension that we talked about before you know the feeling because the bible says God rules over heaven and he rules over the earth and so that will sometimes have me and you in that John the Baptist thinking yeah but how come and theologians have a phrase that is helpful for that about that tension in which we always live on the earth and this is what it is they say the kingdom of God is now but not yet it's now 
and not yet. If you go on WTC and do that, you're going to hear that phrase being taught. Because the kingdom is already, but it's not yet. God has come to a world at war and he's established a beachhead. The kingdom of God has been founded here on the earth. The Greek word that the Bible uses for kingdom is basilia and it means a rule or authority. So we're talking about somebody ruling over a place. God has come to exercise that rule. Jesus has come and, and to be the ruler. And for there to be a king, there has to be a ruler, there has to be a kingdom. And there have to be rulees. There have to be people who are ruled over. That would be us. And there's a realm, a sphere over which the king rules. We talked about that sphere of control over. And there has to be regulations, which comes all from the same word. It's all linked together. Regulations, regal. Regulations are laws by which a reign is established. And God's kingdom has all of these different elements. He's the absolute ruler of his domain over everything. Even when it seems like he isn't, God is still ruler. Even over the bits that it looks like out of control, God is in control of the out of control. I wrote that down, I was like, I don't even understand that myself. But I think it's right. God is in control of the out of control. Ultimately, he's working to do something and it's always good. He only brings the good stuff. That's all he can bring. It's who he is. And the way that this happens now on the earth, God has decided that the way his kingdom is going to come, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, is through us, the rulees, the ruled over ones, the church, people like us. And as we were praying and worshipping before, I actually felt this thing in my heart, in my spirit. I love Roscoe and the guys to come up in a minute. Because it was like, you know, Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you now. If you want to know where the kingdom of God is, is it heaven? He says, don't go over there and don't go over there and don't go over there. The kingdom of heaven is within you. And it was like, oh yeah, I want that. This is where the kingdom of heaven is. I want that rule expanding in here. And as that rule expands in here, that rule will extend out there. Do you get that? It's just tonight, as we pray and as we worship, what we're doing, I love the way John Ortberg puts it what we're saying is may up there come down here do you like that I like that do you want to say it with me may up there come down here we've got a slide that helps us to say it have we yeah and that doesn't mean heaven's up there don't get all theological with me <laughs> it's just a picture Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't just look down at the mess. Anybody can do that. Anybody can focus on the mess and the problem and, and stumble about in the dark and in the doubt and in the fear and in the unbelief. You know, and you just end up, it gets worse and worse. If you look down, I was talking to Zoe about this, saying I think we should pray up more up like this. You know, the other week I was in, the, it was a couple of months ago, now, I was in the shower and, uh, and I got a bit of soap and, uh, and I kind of rubbed my eye and I got it in my eye and I was like, oh, ooh, ooh, I've got in my eye. Oh, not good. And then I kind of reached for something and, and kind of went to get that. And I go, oh, I'm getting both my eyes. And I'm like, oh, no, and I'm looking around for the flannel or something to be able to wipe it with. And then the next thing, I'm falling butt naked out of the shower kind of thing and crashing onto the floor and all this. It just got, went from bad to worse because I, I was like spiritually, you know, when you get blind, when, you, when that kind of thing is happening, you're just bumping into all kinds of mess. It's not a pretty sight. 
Zoe's saying that's true because she came in and found me like that. If you get spiritually blind, you end up with life ache. See, I had like backache and knee ache and neck ache and everything from, from that. The spiritual affects the natural. That's why I want to pray for you. Like Elisha prayed for his servant. Lord, open their eyes so that they can see. So we can see what spiritually is actually happening. Would you stand up? We're going to pray and the band are going to come up. And when we pray, let's lift up our heads. The Bible talks about God as being the lifter of our heads. I just thought it would be good for us to, to do that. So some, everything in gravity has been designed to keep you pulled down, to keep you focusing down. But, you know, let's pray. May up there come down here. And you don't have to look down here for that to happen. God will sort out the down here. You just focus on up there. Focus on up there. May up there come down here. Why don't you pray that out loud with me? Come on. May up there come down here. May your sphere of authority, your locus of control, your kingdom, heaven, come here to your kingdom on the earth. May that meet here. May it meet in here, first of all. Put your hand on your heart and ask him. May up there more come down here. More of you, Lord, in me, through me. More of you, more of your rule over me, in me. Extend your rule. You know, so often I was looking through the Bible, Jesus prayed. He says he looked up to heaven. Standing at Lazarus' grave. Everybody else got their heads down. There's been a death, it's awful. Jesus looked up to heaven and he prayed. He handed him just a, some loaf and a fish and... 5,000 people and he's looking at everybody else is looking at how can we do this and Jesus looked up to heaven and gave thanks for what he had just look up look up to you Lord let your kingdom come may up there come down here in Aleppo places we talked about may up there come down there to Aleppo in India may up there come down here And this press red and the message that that's going out. May up, up there where you are, your kingdom come here to help those women and those who are helping them. In Manchester, as we walk around the streets and our city and into those broken families and any other situations that we have, we just want to pray. Pray this week as you're walking around. If you don't know what to pray, look up. Look up to the heavens and say, Lord, may up there come down here. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.